This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Somebody please tell Craig Carton to take the bubble wrap off of Aaron Rodgers' cutout. Man, come on, man. Look at that. Just friends uh, freaking out already that Aaron Rodgers got hurt during OTAs. I think he hurt his calf or his ankle or something. Pulling sleds and doing agility drills. I'm like, what? I'm like, this is what happens when you don't go to OTAs. I don't know when the last time Aaron Rodgers been to OTAs, but he got hurt. I think it's a little minor. It's a little minor injury. I think he's going to be fine. Same thing with Alan Lazard. But man, y'all crazy, man. Y'all crazy. Listen, you can't protect Aaron Rodgers but so much because eventually he's going to have to see the bird and our vicious D-line, including Hassan Reddick, who was second in the league in sacks. <laughs> oh, man. You can only protect them but so much. And who knows what other pass rushes you're going to face coming out of the AFC East and the rest of y'all's schedule. But no, week four, you got to come see the bird. Or we go to y'all. It don't matter. Aaron Rodgers going to be running. He going to be in trouble. You going to see what the real is. Anyway, man, good to be back on the mic again. I got to put out more clips of the last episode with Ben and Ryan. Uh, I did put out one on YouTube and Twitter. And uh, it was about me talking about the Heat and the Celtics, which is a perfect transition to getting into the NBA playoffs. Like the Celtics and the Heat. Bro, what? I cannot believe what is happening right now. I could not believe what is happening right now. When this series looked like it was coming together and it was going to happen, I was like, oh, easy, easy. Uh, Celtics is going to win in five. I did not know the opposite was going to happen. I am just dumbfounded. I am just dumbfounded. I'm just, I don't even know how we got to this point. I'm just still like the heat. Listen, the heat, as you know, they got smoked by the ice tray gang. The ice tray gang avenged, you know, the five series, the five game series loss against the heat last year. So I thought they was done. And then against Chicago, they was losing in that game until they turned up in the fourth quarter. And then they ended up going against Milwaukee. But I had no idea they would beat Milwaukee. I knew they was going to beat the Knicks. Once I've continued to think about it, I was like, they got all the momentum. They got the experience. New York doesn't. They're going to beat the, they're going to beat the Knicks and they're going to beat them in five. And that's exactly what happened. Now the Celtics, I thought they had no chance. I thought they had no chance against the Celtics. I'm like, they don't have enough offense. They won't be able to stop Tatum and Brown. And I'm just, I've just been completely wrong. The Heat won game one. I was like, okay, I can see that. You know, they've they've played Boston and they've beat Boston in Boston plenty of times, including that game six last year where Jimmy, Jimmy Buckets went off. So I thought, you know, okay, been there, done that. Okay, I can see them taking game one, you know. And besides, Philly took game one in the last series, and we saw how that turned out. But then game two, it was back and forth, and then the Heat ended up having a really good fourth quarter and winning that game. I'm like, what? what is happening? What? I just had didn't have the words. I'm like, these guys done took the first two in Boston. Now I was thinking, okay, I know how this is going to go. Boston's going to take two in Miami because they're that good. And then they might even win all four. They might win the next four and 
win four games to two on some 1993 Chicago Bulls type stuff. Nope. Wrong about that. Game three, I actually got a chance to sit down and watch, and I just couldn't believe what I was watching. The Celtics supporting cast, non-existent. Tatum and Brown look average. And I just sat there and watched the Heat just make stop after stop and then hit three after three. And then the next thing you know, they're up 30 after three quarters. I'm like, I can't believe it. Once the Heat went up 20, I was like, oh, it's over. It's a wrap. It's over. I thought, you know, when the Heat had that double-digit halftime lead, I was like, okay, the Celtics can come back. You know, even Ben, our resident Celtics fan, even he was telling me that it's over. The Celtics aren't coming back. They don't make adjustments. And they didn't. And they got ran off the floor. Then game four... The Celtics finally showed up and they just ran away with the game in the fourth quarter. Like it, it was the game was still in the balance going into the fourth, but in the fourth quarter, they finally start hitting their shots. And the Heat just had uncharacteristic turnovers. I couldn't believe what I was watching there. Um at, but at the end of the day, once the series got to 3 0, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with this series. I want Miami to sweep. I want to get this over with. I don't want to deal with any more of this series. But Boston came back. They fought, and now they are big favorite in game five. I thought it was an automatic conclusion that they were going to win game five at home. But now I'm thinking about it, and I'm seeing the media really just basically hand Boston game five like it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win and we're going to go back to Miami in game six I don't think so now that I think about it I think that just adds fuel to the fire and I think Miami's going to come ready to play in Boston and they're going to win a close one and I was saying heat and six after Boston won game four now I'm heat and five heat and five okay heat and five At the end of the day, this team plays really good defense. And their role players have come alive, like Gabe Vincent and Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. How about Duncan Robinson getting off, getting out of the doghouse? He then got out of the doghouse and has made a big impact in this playoffs and even in the conference finals. You know, I thought he'd never get back in the lineup. I thought he was buried to the depths of the bench forever. But he then came back, and now he's cooking. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it. Uh, and, you know, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, I think Matt Struess, and Gabe Vincent, the undrafted players from the Heat that are given the NBA problems. It feels like you group them together and you talk about them and they had more points than the Celtics like starting five in game three. They talk about them like they're a boy man. <laughs> it is hilarious. It's kind, of, it's kind of going overboard, but that's what the media does. If they win this title, you might have to make a 30 for 30 or a full-out movie about not only this Miami Heat team, but the undrafted players that they have. Like, I know, I just said they was going overboard, but I don't know. Like, if you're going to go overboard like that, you might as well just go all the way overboard and just make a movie and a documentary about this because, you know, at least it'll be entertaining that way. All right, so game three, Celtics won, uh, Heat won 102... uh, 128102. So I'm looking at it. Huh, Gabe Vincent had 29. Oh my God. Like, with him playing like that, you have no chance. He had 29. Duncan Robinson had 22 off the bench. 
Man. What? Game over. Jimmy Butler only had 16 in game three. That's crazy. But man, this team is something else, man. I knew once they got past the Bucks, I saw where this was going. And 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 two games against the Knicks, oh, I was like, yeah, they clearly better than the Knicks. It looks like we're headed for Celtics heat. And then they managed to win three the first three games against Boston, the team I thought was going to win it all. Now we're getting all the 03 talk. All the oh is the Celtics going to be the first team to come back from 03? Same thing with the Lakers and the Nuggets. Except the difference is the Lakers Nuggets, all three of those games were close. All of them. The only problem is the Nuggets, the Nuggets had a great fourth quarter in all three games, and that was the difference, especially game two where they just left earth and Jamal Murray returned to what he was in the bubble. After I saw what Jamal Murray did in the bubble, I was like, from now on, from now on, I'm never going to be surprised when he goes off. And that's that's what's been happening in this playoffs. You know what he can do. So when he does it, you can't be surprised because he's shown the capability to go off and go nuclear. This team, man, and they ended up sweeping the Lakers in a really good, really close game four. That was that was a heck of a heck of a game. That was a heck of a finish. I was watching the game cast and the Lakers did have a double digit lead in the second quarter and in the third quarter. But I saw that the Nuggets were keeping it close. I was like, oh, they let them they let them stay in this game. When you have LeBron scoring 31 in the first half. You have to take that team out. You have to take them out. You have to take them out. You have to you have to run them off the floor. You have it, no mercy. It can't be any mercy. You have to run them off the floor. And they let them hang around. And of course, the Nuggets, like they did the first three games, they turned up in the fourth quarter, and that was all she wrote. And then LeBron got stripped in the fourth quarter and with the game on the line. I saw what he was trying to do. He was trying to go to the rim and get fouled. I get it. You know, he could do that. Even though he's an okay free throw shooter. Like, it's... it's I can see why you would do that. You know? But it didn't work out, and... Jamal Murray with the great help defense, and they're going to the next round. And they're saying this is the best Denver Nugget team ever. By default, it is. They're in the finals. But now LeBron's talking about retirement. They saying, people saying it's a distraction now. Not enough people are talking about the Nuggets. It's It does suck, but just is what it is. LeBron is one of the best players ever. The Lakers, one of the biggest brands ever, of course. That's the more interesting headline. I just love how the Nuggets are built, man. Like, Jokic, from the second round to arguably the best player in the league, like, how did that happen? How in the world did, just like the Lakers, the Nuggets took one of our key players from the Wizards, Caldwell Pope, and he's playing significant minutes, and he's making an impact. Aaron Gordon can do it all. He can shoot threes. He can play in a post. He's still really athletic and can dunk on you. Um, Jamal Murray's uh, just a ticking time bomb in a good way. It's just, man, this team is not... And Jokic, Jokic is going to bring it every night. Triple-double, walking triple-double. Almost automatic triple-double. And then you got people like Bruce Brown... He had 25 in one of these games. I think it was game two. Like, isn't it good that he's away from the nonsense of the Brooklyn Nets? Much better situation. I know he's happy. You know, you got to love it, man. What a what a team. They, they are nice. Uh, now they await the Heat and the Celtics. 
And people already done started saying that the Celtics could be the first team to come back from 0-3. Now I'm coming back to this. They saying the Lakers was able was possibly going to do it because they had LeBron James. It didn't work out. They lost. The Celtics did win game four, and they have been the favorites the entire series. They're even favorites in game five. So I can see how people can think they're going to come back from down 3-0. It's not going to happen. I haven't seen anything close to this since 2003. If you don't know, I was a Mavericks fan from 03 to 2012. So that was my new team. And that series gave me, as a 10-year-old, some anxiety. Like, I experienced anxiety with that series. Oh, my God. Because I was chilling. I thought it was a game. Like, I thought it was a rap. 3-0, I was smiling. I was laughing. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Mavericks got this. Then the Blazers win game four. I was like, okay. And then they fighting. They're competing. I, I can see that. Then the Blazers won game five. I was like, okay, this sucks. The Blazers won game six. I fell asleep in the second half when the Blazers went left earth. And I woke up to my dad telling me that the Blazers won game six. And I was devastated. It was kind of a similar feeling to how I felt when the Nats lost game five and they were up three they were up 2-0 on the Astros and he lost game five and I just stared into space I was like this is really happening we might lose this series after starting out with control of it what is happening right now but thank God even game seven was stressful but Dirk Dirk came through he was too much for the Blazers and they won game seven Long story short, it's not happening again, okay? The Heat will take care of business if they don't in game five, which they will. If they somehow don't in game five, they will in game six. If it gets to a game seven, sure, it's hard to win in Boston in game seven. It's too much evidence to back that up. But if anyone can do it, it's this team. They've gone this far. Why not? Like I said, they won a crucial game in Boston last year to force game seven. So they can do it again. But I just shut down this 0-3 talk. I really think the Heat are going to win, and I can't wait for Nuggets and Heat. It's going to be vicious. It's going to be vicious. I think that's going to go seven with game seven being in Denver. And I think Denver will win that. So all, already I got... Nuggets and Heat and Nuggets and Seven. That's going to be a fun series. I cannot wait till it happens. I just wish the Heat would stop messing around and take care of business on Game 5. And I think they will, especially since all this hype in Vegas and the media just hyping up the Celtics, thinking they're going to come all the way back. Um, I think the Heat slams the door tonight and we'll finally get that Heat and Nuggets series that start next Thursday. People complaining about the final start time. It does suck, but, you know, when we get it, we get it. You know, maybe by then, you know, maybe until then we can watch some softball. We can watch some OU softball. (laughs) Maybe we watch some OU softball until then. Maybe we can just watch some softball in general. Or maybe we can watch some uh, USFL. Uh, NHL. NHL is going to be playing. Uh, baseball. A lot of baseball. Some golf. I'll talk about golf later. Lots of thing to watch until the NBA Finals start next Thursday. Now, before I forget, I didn't put it. I don't think. Did I put it in the rundown? Did, did I put it in the rundown? OU softball? Well, OU softball destroyed. They destroyed Hostra, who they kind of tried to they tried to like get a little run or two in like the third inning. They got they got a big double. I was like, oh, they trying to come back. It was like three nothing or something. And then of course, so OU softball blew their doors off. And then um, 
I think it was Cal and Missouri, two teams that were really good like a decade ago, but they're just mid now. And unfortunately, they had to come to OU and they got spanked. They got run ruled. They did worse against OU than Hofstra did. And once again, OU is looking like a freight train and they're going against Clemson, who they got uh, Valerie Cagle, uh, their pitcher. It's pretty good. But I saw them against, was it Auburn? They tried to choke that. They tried to choke that game away, the deciding game. Uh, Valerie Cagle got tagged a little bit. I'm like, if she having trouble with this lineup, just imagine what our lineup is going to do. Clemson might be in trouble. Clemson is coming to Norman. The end of Morita Hines Field. Still a big home field advantage. You know it's going to be sold out. They're going to get clapped. She is going to get clapped. Clemson is going to get clapped. And then we'll go on to the Women's College World Series who won't have UCLA who got upset by Liberty. The same Liberty team who I just... I just waved off when they took my Sooners, who are now like 55 and 1. My 55 and 1 Sooners at the beginning of the season beat a Liberty team 1 0. This Liberty team, I guess, went on to win their conference and they ended up upsetting UCLA. And UCLA was the number two team in the country. Number two overall seed. They got Tom Brady's niece, who's kind of cute, by the way. But they got her. They got a loaded team. They got an experienced coach who was successful as a player and a coach. Hell of a program. Got cooked by Grand Canyon and Liberty. But who ended up winning? San Diego State. They came out of that, and they'll be in it. Um, still, a bunch of the, a bunch of the seeded teams ended up winning. So you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't too many upsets. I mean, LSU choked. Arkansas always chokes, but this time it was in the first round. Um, so we'll see what happens. But at the end of the day, no one's really stopping this OU very train. Uh, of course, we got to look out for Oklahoma State and Texas, even though we swept both of them in the regular season. But still, in the Women's College World Series, anything could happen. Um, but from the looks of things, we kept our core together. We got some key transfers, like Trotman coming out the bullpen. We still got Jordy Ball, who's the number one recruit last year, and is still really good this year. We still got, uh, like I said, top of our lineup, unreal. I'm <laughs> I'm spacing on names right now, but you know who they are. And we still got Kenzie Hansen, our, our catcher. These guys are good. They only lost one game. They've had some close calls, but they've only lost one game. Y'all in trouble. And if we 3 P, oh, my God. Oh, my God. If this team three-piece, I'm sure it's going to build a lot of hate. But it's just going to be something to admire. And we're incredibly proud at Sooner Nation. We are. I love it. Anyway, man, as I was saying. Oh, the NBA draft lottery. So, Victor Wamiana is going to the Spurs. You know what? Before this all started, I say from about this time last year, to about maybe March or April, I was like, you know what? I can see Victor Wamiana going to the Spurs. It just it just looks exactly like it did in 1998 when they sucked because I think David Robinson was hurt. They sucked, they tanked, and they got Tim Duncan, and then they created a dynasty that lasted like 15 years. I was like, this look exactly like that, except the Spurs have sucked for like five years now. Ever since they lost Kawhi, they've not been good. They were decent when they had DeJounte Murray, 
they were like a playing level first round team, but then they they gave away DeJounte Murray and now they just trash. Worst team in the league. Now they're about to get the generational Victor Wamiana. They don't it don't look like they're getting rid of Popovich. And now it's it's it might be a wrap. It might be Spurs Dynasty Part Two. But I'm telling you right now, um, Greg Popovich can't live forever. He can't coach at this level forever. <laughs> so uh good good luck trying to make this dynasty part two, but this is a good start. You know, they're definitely gonna be better than they have been the past few years. I wish he would have went to Portland. I wish he would have went to the Wizards. Like the week leading up to the draft lottery, I was like, you know what? The Wizards are gonna get him. I, I you know what? I believe in luck right now. We're gonna get him. Screw it. Why not? Man, not only did we not get him, the Wizards are an eighth. What? And now the Wizards are going to get some role-playing kid from Arkansas or Kansas. We might get Grady Dick. I wouldn't mind Grady Dick. He's still pretty young. Uh, He was decent at Kansas. He can shoot. Uh, Pretty much a mix between Kispert and Avia. I'm not just saying that because he's white, but seriously, like, you don't shoot as well as Kispert, but he got a good all-around game. Like, maybe Avia? Nah, I mean, I don't think he slashes as well as Avia, though. He's, like, in between those two, and those two of our recent draft picks. I think he can potentially be better than Johnny Davis, but Johnny Davis, the book is still out on him. But seriously, though, like, I would love Grady Dick. I would love Cam Whitmore, who I had no idea who he was until I was refing a basketball scrimmage, and my partner told me about this kid from Archbishop Spaulding that was really good and that was just dominating his competition and he was like, you need to look out for this kid. He goes to Villanova right now. He's hurt. But you need to look out for this kid. I still haven't really watched him. But he was a five-star. It looks like he's going to be a lottery pick. And Archbishop Spaulding is, it's it's way on the suburbs of Maryland. Like, it's, I'm, how far is this thing? It, it's far from D.C. It's far, but it's not crazy far. Like, if you know what I mean. It's definitely in the DMV, but it's not. See, Archbishop Spaulding, Southern, Severn, Merlin, 52 minutes away. Oh, it's by BWI. So he's more of a Baltimore kid. Well, whatever, whatever. We're still the local NBA team. I would love to bring Cam Whitmore home and he has potential. Okay. There's probably a lot of things we got to work on. Tankathon says, if you look at Tankathon, there are like three pluses on the strength side. On the weaknesses side, there are like 15 negatives. So if I go by Tankathon, he has some work to do. He's still a raw prospect and he needs work. But if we get him and we bring him home and he lives up to his potential, it's a wrap. We got an underrated diamond in a rough and... We might not need this current iteration of the Wizards. We can get rid of Bradley Bill, and we're going to get rid of them anyway. They're getting old, and they get a lot of money, and we don't be winning. I'm talking about Bill, Porzingis, Kuzma. Um, I might as well talk about them. Uh, Bill, Porzingis, and Kuzma. Bill, Porzingis, and Kuzma. Porzingis... And Kuzma have player options, which means, which I've learned, they can opt in and play for the Wizards for one more year, and then I guess they become a free agent. Or they can opt out now and become, I guess, unrestricted free agents. But they also have bird rights, which mean the Wizards can offer them more money, I believe. So... 
these guys can come back, but the fact that the season ended like a month and a half ago, well, it ended like a month ago, and I still haven't heard anything about contract talks. We might lose both of these guys, but I don't see why these guys would leave like they had some of their best seasons. They, they had one of their best seasons with the Wizards. Now, we didn't win anything. We didn't get into the plan. We didn't go to the playoffs, but they had one of their best statistical seasons, and for the most part, they were healthy. So I don't see why they wouldn't come back. Especially Porzingis. I don't think anyone on open market is going to give him what we're going to give him. Kuzma, okay. Maybe someone out there can will pay him more than what we'll pay him. But Porzingis, nah, he needs to stay. Come on. If we can keep both of them and maybe add one more player, like we might be all right. I heard we might get Terry Rozier. If we get Terry Rozier, Terry Rozier, Bradley Bill. Kuzma, Porzingis? What? Oh, my God. That might be the missing piece. And then we got all these young players on the bench, coming off the bench, including Kispert, who is a sniper from three. And he just keeps getting better. We got something. I'm going to start my, oh, we can at least be in sixth place talk again. It can happen. Or we could not get any of those guys and end up trading Bill at the trade deadline. Yeah, that's worst case scenario. Um, We'll see. And overseeing all this is new president Michael Winger. Now, when they said this guy's name and said he was going to be running the Mystics, the Wizards, and the Go-Go, I was like, who the heck is this guy? All I know is he come from the Clippers. But looking at his track record, so he started with the Cavs when they had LeBron from 05 to 2010. So he's with them then. That was the team that the Gilbert Gilbert Arenas Wizards couldn't beat, but felt like they could talk smack to. And then he was with Sam Presti's uh, staff. That was the whole Kevin Durant, Westbrook Harden era. Those are some good teams. And now, and then he's with the Clippers as their GM from 2017 to 2023. That was basically been the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard era, which very talented teams just always fell short because of injuries and in the bubble, they just effing choked. So he has a good background, but he's the president. I guess he kept going up and up and up. He just kept, you know, getting promoted. And now he's he's running monumental sports. He runs our whole basketball department. Even even the Mystics. I don't know what he po- is supposed to be doing with the Mystics. I, I don't I don't know how involved he's going to be with the Mystics, but he's the boss of the Mystics. So We'll see what happens. Oh, that gets the Mystics a title, another title, but we'll see. I'm going to get to them later. But yeah, man, like, wow, what a hire. Um, He worked under some great staffs, and it has got him far. Hopefully, that can, that can rub off on the Wizards. Now, he we might hire an actual GM, and we'll see what happens. I hope... Whatever happens, I hope they make the right moves in the coming future. And if we don't get Kuzma Porzingis or Terry Rozier or or all three, you know, maybe we can tank this thing and start looking towards the next draft and beyond. Uh, We'll see lots of possibilities, but the Wizards are on the couch. They're not that good and they have some work to do. So let's see what Michael Winger can do. Pretty much an unknown in my book, but he has a lot of potential to make this great and make this a winner again. I'm just saying. Anyway, man, what's next? Uh, Some of this stuff I'm going to skip. Okay, real quick, real quick. 
Congrats to the Florida Panthers. They were just like the Heat. The Heat. They're pretty much the NHL equivalent of the Heat. Barely got in the playoffs. Upset the number one seed that was expected to win it all. Then they won the next round against an overrated fourth seed. They swept them. And then they came back and beat Carolina, who was maybe the third best team. Like, it wasn't the the Devils. The Devils won uh, the Metropolitan. But the Devils got knocked off by Carolina. So... Panthers beat Carolina. Thank God. I've had a grudge against the Carolina Hurricanes since 2018 when they beat the Caps in game seven and I was in attendance. So I'm glad they lost. I'm glad they haven't been successful since 2018. Anyway, congrats to them. They making South Florida proud. Them in the heat. Just both of these guys were number one seeds last year and neither of them made the final. Now they're both going to be in the finals as eighth seeds. That's impressive. But also maybe just righting the wrongs of last year. (laughs) Kind of like on some Virginia Cavaliers basketball type of stuff. But congrats to them. Uh, Vegas looked like they're going to take care of Dallas. Uh, Poor Ryan. Looked like they had no chance. So we're looking towards a Vegas versus Panthers. I don't care who wins that. I know the Panthers beat the Caps last year and low-key would be better if Vegas won, but I don't really care who wins, man. They both great stories, especially an expansion franchise going to the Stanley Cup Finals two out of five, their first five years. That's impressive. I'm just saying. Um... Let me see what we got here. All right, the Nats. So the Nats... I went to the Nats versus Tigers literally the day after I my last ride of that weekend for Lyft was me taking a car full of Detroit Tigers fans. I didn't tell them that I was a huge Nats fan and that I was coming to the game the next day, but they were in my car. They were chilling. They were all happy-go-lucky and... They raced out to an 8-0 lead that game, and they ended up beating us 8-6. From that point forward, the Nats took over the series. Uh, The next game, I missed the the promotion, the Star Wars promotion, because I got caught up with Lyft, and um, I didn't get there in time. I got caught up with Lyft and didn't get there in time. Or was it, no, I got caught up with my neighbor, The neighbor kid wanted to ride and fuck, it made me late. So I didn't get to, I didn't get to the promotion in time and I didn't get my shirt. That was the whole reason why I was going to that, that game. But whatever, I'll buy the shirt on eBay or something. Nevertheless, I got to go to that game. We won. We gave up a home run early. Corbin gave up a home run early, but he didn't give up anything after that. Well, when he did, no one scored. So that's what Corbin's been doing all year. He's been solid. And that's better than last year when he was just awful. So they won. Everyone stepped up. You know, I I absolutely loved it. Um, We won 5-2 after giving up the first two runs. Ildemaro Vargas uh, killed it. You know, he scored a run, got a hit. Lane Thomas, three for four, two RBIs. Amor Candelario, our third baseman. From the Tigers, by the way. Two for four, two RBIs. Had a big double at the end of the game. I I love it, man. This team just continues to amaze. They won another series. And this team is winning way more games than anyone expected. And I cannot believe it. Um, then against the Padres, Juan Soto came back to town and he bodied us. I wish I would have seen that game because I love me some Juan Soto. And even though he's with the Padres, him doing well is pretty cool. Ooh, Fernando Tatis is playing. Oh, that's right. See, I would have loved to see that, but I was busy. I was busy doing stuff. So no, yeah, I was busy doing stuff. So I couldn't, it was Tuesday, right? 
See, I had kickball practice. Well, it was an unofficial kickball practice, but I needed the work. I got into work. I didn't. I wasn't at the baseball game. And Juan Soto killed us. You know, uh, Juan Soto was, I got it right here. I thought I had it. I thought I had it. Oh, my God. Um, where is it? Uh, Juan Soto. I'm about to, about to pull it up right now. Juan Soto was three for four in an RBI, and he had a big home run in the seventh inning. Wow. Fernando Tatis. 0 for 3, but had an RBI. Okay. Uh, Xander Bogarts, 2 for 5, 2 RBIs. Killed us. Uh, but, but, we won the next game, 5-3. So, the series finale is in about an hour and a half. I cannot go. I got to go to um, Orange Theory and get my workout on. But I am sure it's going to be a great game. Now, I, I just love what the Nationals are doing. And I need to get my 4th of July ticket because I already know I'm going. Uh, undecided on going to the Phillies game Friday, but I know I'm going Saturday. I probably won't go on Friday because I'd rather go to that Mystics and uh, Dallas Wings game. But, you know, we'll see. But speaking of the Mystics, can someone tell me what in the world are they doing? Now, I was at the first game against the Liberty, the game that I hyped up all offseason. Ever since the schedule came out, I hyped it up. I was like, ooh, we opening the season with the super team? I was like, oh, we going to get them. Even though I was hyping my own team, and I was like, oh, they overlooking us. We going to beat them. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. I still didn't expect the Mystics to blow them out. I thought it was going to be, oh, a good seven to eight point win, just enough to make a statement. Boy, did they make a statement. They straight up whooped their behinds. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was in cloud nine as a Washington Mystics fan. I was just ecstatic. I was like, this is really my life right now. I am really watching this. They embarrassed the Liberty, and it was all over Twitter. I was like, yes, man, this is what I'm talking about. See, this is what happens when we got everybody healthy and we playing the way we supposed to be playing. And we got Christy Tolliver back. It's good to see all her step backs and all her three-point shots. Man, what? Natasha Cloud had 14. She led us in scoring. Total team effort, Deladon only had 13. The crazy thing is, just, I noticed a Sabrina Inescu just settled for a lot of jump shots. And I was happy because she is a Swiss Army knife. She can do it all. Why is she settling for threes? And deep threes at that. John Quill Jones, I mean, two for six, three points. I, she looked like Space Jam Monster stole her powers. Like, she was loafing. Brianna Stewart was three for ten. Still had 12 rebounds, but tw she was 12 or 12. She didn't play well. I was like, what is going on with these folks? Courtney Vandersloot, 8.6 rebounds, 6 assists. They were a low fin. The bench only had 11. Like, I didn't, I, I, I was like, this is the team we're supposed to be afraid of? They look nowhere near close to the Vegas Aces. And then they turn around against Indiana and they ran them off the floor and Brianna Stewart had 45. I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> but the Mystics, they impressed me. And then they turn around and get spanked by Connecticut twice. Like, they had the lead for most of the first game in Connecticut. And in the second game, it was back and forth. And then Connecticut kind of held the lead for most of the game. And then they went on a 10-2 run in the fourth quarter. I was like, man, what, what are we doing? Battled back from that only to choke and give up another big run in the last two minutes. Like, what in the world? The good thing about these last two games is that Shakira Austin had 21 points in the first game and 14 in the second game and a double-double in both. And they couldn't stop Deladon, even though they doubled and tripled her. 
I still like the way this team is built, even though they lost to Connecticut twice. The first time, I kind of understand we never win there. We never win in Connecticut. Like, we haven't won in Connecticut since the WNBA Finals four years ago. I get it. I get how we would lose a bunch of games there. I, I might have it mixed up. It, it might have been since, basically since after the pandemic, we haven't won in Connecticut. So I get it. Tough place to play. You supposed to take care of business, especially a veteran team like this with a bulldog like Natasha Cloud. You supposed to take care of business and you come here and basically the same thing happens. What in the world? I thought Connecticut took a step back because they lost John Coyle Jones, their former MVP, only to realize that they're just as good without John Coyle Jones because just like the Mystics, they got a veteran-laden team. Dewana Bonner can shoot and, you know, she got long arms. She's like, I was going to say like a knockoff KD, but maybe she's more like Cam Johnson. I don't know, Macau Bridges, like th- that that type of player. Dewana Bonner, uh, Alyssa Thomas, uh, sixth woman of the year. Uh, forgot her damn name. Uh, her last name is Jones. She's a force in the paint. Uh, Heideman is an underrated guard. They like the Miami Heat. They like Miami. They're a veteran team that's been there and they've gone far. They've been in the finals. And they they're a force to be reckoned with. I think they're better than I thought. But still, it's no excuse for dropping two in a row to them. They ain't that good. Thankfully, Shakira Austin development has taken off. Uh she's our, you know. She's our future because this is a team built around Elena Deladon, who is still one of the five, 10 best players in the league. She's still one of the five, 10 best players in the league. And then we got Errol Atkins, who's an all-star, Natasha Cloud, who's a borderline all-star, Brittany Sykes, who was, I think, a borderline all-star on the Sparks. She's with us now. She's really good. Amanda Zui B is a big that can come off the bench. And also she can mentor Shakira Austin. Also, she's really attractive to me. She is. But um, <laughs> Maisha Hines Allen's hurt. She's inconsistent, but a big piece. We got some folks, man. And also we got um, we got um, Christy Tolliver back who, who can make threes and can hit step back like she's a really good shooter. Even now at her older age. And Tiana Hawkins. Oh my God. Tiana Hawkins and Walker Kimbrough are really good, solid bench players. I can see why they didn't keep someone like a um Emily Ingert Ingert? Like <laughs> Oh man. Emily Inkster. Inksler. Like, she was the number four pick in the draft with Indiana. I guess Indiana waived her. And then she ends up in our camp. And then she didn't make the team. She got beat out by some Asian girl. I don't know. I, I guess she's 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 not bad, by the way. So I don't, I don't have no problem with that. And Tiana Hawkins has been balling. So maybe there was just no room for her. I would have loved to have Emily Inksler, but no room for her right now. Because we got a team full of veterans. This this is a win-now team. When you got someone like Elena Deladon, you got to go for it. When you got three all-stars, pretty much, you got to go for it. Until the wagon falls off and we have to build around Shakira Austin and Maisha Hines Allen. Until then, it's Deladon's team still and we got to put the right pieces around her. And I felt like we do, we have the right pieces. We got all these veterans coming off the bench. We got, you know, Natasha Cloud, our four general. We got people who can shoot. We shouldn't be dropping two games in a row, even to 
Connecticut like that. I think we'll be fine at the end of the day. You know, um, at the end of the day, this is still a title contending team. Can we beat the Aces? I don't know. Can we beat the Liberty? Obviously, we just proved that we can. Can we beat the Aces, though, who ran Seattle off the floor? They obviously missed Stewie. But, yeah, um, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. We got the pieces. We'll be okay. But I'm very frustrated with the Connecticut Sun back-to-back losses. I mean, come on. Like, what, what are we doing? Oh, real quick, Michael Block. I was like, who is this? Who is this guy they keep hyping? Like, just like in the Masters, there was an amateur that made it really far. And also Phil Mickelson, who I guess is past his prime. He made it very far in the Masters. So they kind of hyped him. Who stole the storylines is Michael Block. Now, Kepka won. Um, when I was doing my research, I noticed that he won at one point back-to-back PGA championships. So I knew it was a possibility that he could win, and he did. I did have him in one of my DraftKings lineups, but I don't think that was the one that won. I think the one that won had Victor Hovland, who came in like second or third. But I had a bunch of people that missed the cut. This guy, Michael Block, didn't. And no one knows who he was until now. Now he's famous. So he's a club pro. I was like, what the heck is a club pro? It's not an amateur because he's played 25 PGA events. And he's won a regional PGA championship. So he's definitely not an amateur. A club pro, from what I saw online, is someone who runs like a country club or a golf course and you know he might work the shop he gives lessons so i guess that's what he does at 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 a southern california golf course uh he gives lessons so he's a professional golfer that gives golf lessons so he's not one of the regulars pretty much so that's why it was a big deal that he made it so far in the pga championship And I guess he's just an overall great guy, and he hit a hole-in-one in the 15th hole. In the PGA Championship, that's huge. Now he's taken off. He's gone viral. He's famous. He earned his spot into the PGA Championship next year, and I'm going to bet on him. I'm going to put him on DraftKings. I'm going to ride the hype next year. I can't wait. But it's good to finally learn who this guy is. And why he getting so much hype. I think it's cool, man. I kind of rolled my eyes out at it at first. But I was like, man, who the heck is this guy? Why aren't we talking about Brooks Kepka? Why aren't we talking about Scotty Scheffler and all the guys I'm used to seeing? But this guy, you know, I thought the hype was too much. But I, I guess he deserves it, man. He's been grinding. Uh, he is the farthest he's gone and just... Just this humbleness has been also something that has been endearing to fans. You know, he's just taking it all in and he's loving it. And, you know, good for him. And I want to see what he does from now till the next PGA Championship. Maybe he'll get on more tour events. Um, or maybe not. Maybe he'll just keep teaching golf for double the price. I heard it was $150 an hour. I thought that wasn't much, but... Considering how hard golf is or looks, that 150 an hour probably adds up. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Uh, let's get to the finale of the college basketball reference spotlight. So this time we got Lex De'Aaron. I may have said that right. I may not have. And we got Tony Bennett, the Virginia coach, who was before he was a Virginia coach. He, before he was the Virginia coach, he's a point guard at Green Bay, Wisconsin. No, not the Packers, the college. But I'll get to that later. Um, Lex Tierran, first. She's 6'1", from Walton, New Jersey, Cherokee High School. Second team all conference. Second team all Patriot. 
her two other sisters, uh, two older sisters, by the way, uh, one graduated in 2021 and one is still on the team. And um, unfortunately for both her older sisters, they had injury played careers at Loyola of Maryland. Unfortunately for them, but fortunately for little sister, little sister Lex is killing it. Like she was freshman of the year, kind of just like her uh, oldest sister, Ava. Uh, She was freshman of the year. Her freshman year, she averaged 12 and 10, 1.5 steals a game. And her sophomore year, she averaged 15 and 11 with 17 double doubles. And also she was second team all conference. So, oh, also her dad played for the Flyers for like 12 years. And he also played for the Stars. Now, I didn't look up his reference phrase. I probably should have, but he probably had a good uh, career. He played that long in the NHL. I guess he had a solid career. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. Um, when it, when I saw that she had two sisters that went to Loyola of Maryland, um, I immediately thought of the Agumlake sisters. And I'm like, man, they just like them. Three sisters all play basketball all at the same school. I was like, this is just like the Agumake sisters, even though the Agumake sisters, they had, well, the two oldest ones went to Stanford, but then the two youngest ones, well, one went to somewhere else. And the other one is, I lost track of the youngest one. Maybe she's still in high school or she's a freshman in college. I got to look at it. But I was like, just like the Agumake sisters, <laughs> except they're from the Philly area and they're not as successful. But, you know, the book is still out. I don't know what's, what Ava's doing right now, but uh, but Isabella, who's still there, Isabella might be on track for a good senior year or a graduate year. She's a graduate student now. She might have a good graduate season. You know, she's been plagued by injury, but who knows what happens this year. Lex is a double-double machine, and if she can stay healthy, there's no telling what she could do. So just another mid-major star that you might see on the NCAA stage next year, or, you know, you might see them in a WNBA someday. We'll see. You know, the the jury's still out, but Lex Tieran is pretty good, very solid player, and I can't wait to see what she does. And, you know, maybe she'll do a reality show with her sisters or something. It it seemed like a very cool family. Uh, Let's see, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett, finally. The Virginia head coach. I'm not even going to get into his accolades as a coach because they're unreal. But as a player, he played for his dad, first of all. His dad, Dick Bennett, was the coach of Green Bay. And his dad ended up coaching Wisconsin and somebody else. But he's known for going to the Final Four with Wisconsin. But he was a coach's son. Um... He got picked up by the Charlotte Hornets in the second round, 35th pick. But before then, he played for Green Bay, 6 feet, 175 pounds. Uh, The Mid-Continent Conference. I've never heard of the Mid-Continent Conference. I feel like half of the people that, that was in that conference is now in the Horizon League. And some of the other people branched off into other leagues. There was one team in that league that don't don't even exist anymore. So the conference don't exist and the teams are spread out. But nevertheless, he was two-time conference player of the year. He's kind of like Buddy Hield. Uh, His junior year, they won the conference championship and ended up being the 12th seed. And they played against Michigan State and Steve Smith. If you know Steve Smith, you know famous Hawks and Heat player. They only lost to them by two. 
that was pretty much the peak of his Green Bay team. Uh, his senior year, they went 25-5 and five and 14-2 and two in conference, but they got upset by Eastern Illinois. So unfortunate. There's no telling what they could have did in the tournament if they would have won, their, if they would have got out of their conference, and they lost in the NIT, which is a head-scratcher. But nevertheless, career average, 19 points a game, five assists, two rebounds, Nearly 50% from three and 50% overall. Uh, 84% free throw shooter. 1.4 steals per game. 2.3 turnover. So assist to turnover ratio is better than basically half of the girls I've covered. (laughs) Basically half of the modern players I've covered in this segment. His assist to turnover ratio is way better than theirs. Just a really... You know, solid player, really a really good mid-major player. You could tell he was a coach's son looking at these stats because they're just very, you know, fundamentally sound, it looks like. So, yeah, that's that's uh, Tony Bennett, Dick Bennett's son and Virginia coach still at Virginia doing well. Um, But yeah, man, uh, hypothetical game of the episode with all these players next episode. But for now, it's Mr. Van Pugh. GoLevelTees.com. Eventually, I'll stop playing around and push this brand to where it should be. But for now, hit the website for all things Go Level. But you already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.